Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello, and welcome to season two, episode two, or I guess it's season one, episode two of the Succession Recap Podcast, which is recapping season two, episode two of Succession. You know, this is getting complex, but we're going to dive right into it. I'm Felix Salmon of Axios. I'm joined by Emily Peck of the Huffington Post. Hello. And... Our very special guest, the editor-in-chief of Volta, Mr. Ryan McCarthy. <laughs> Former editor-in-chief um, of Vice News. They both begin with V. They both begin with V. That's all I'll say about it. And that. there are other parallels, which we will get into in this episode, which is um, titled Volta. Which is titled Volta. Ryan and I have known each other for many years. Ryan used to be the business editor at the Huffington Post. That's correct. And then we built an empire known as counterparties. Yes, in a it was pivoted away. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> we yeah, we didn't pivot to video, we pivoted to nothing. Yes, we pivoted to not doing this anymore. Oh. But Ryan, unlike me, went on to bigger and better things. And in fact, an editor-in-chief job at Vice, which may or may not have a vague resemblance to Volta. We're going to talk about that on this episode of Sleep Money Succession. Okay, it. let's get into it. This was, it all started going on. And I'm very, very grateful to Emily Peck because she actually has an idea of structure here and she wants to go through the episode yeah. and everything that happens in the episode. And I think that's what we should do yeah. in a recap episode. Yeah. But can I just say female Roger Ailes? Yes. Like, Sid how Peach. awesome was that? Sid Peach was quite incredible. Sid Peach is my new favorite character in the whole show. I mean, how awesome is Sid Peach? She was great, and she really put Tom, or Tommy, as she called him. <laughs> uh, she really fucking put him in his place. And he was just absurd going into that scene. I think we've all worked in media long enough to have a visit from one of those executives, whether or not they're connected to a dynastic family or not. Mm -hmm. That felt very true. Yep. 
And it was so clear in the scene. So I guess we can dive right into the Let's scene dive at, at ATN. So Tom Wamsgams is super excited because <laughs> he's going to be running ATN. And, you know, he goes in all gang. A- ATN being the Fox News substitute. Totally Fox News. Like there's a little bit of question about whether it's entirely about the Murdochs or whether it's a little bit of the Trumps or the Dolans or the Grahams or whatever. But like ATN is 100% Fox. 100% Fox News. And he has he has this great conversation with Greg heading into the scene with the female Roger Ailes where where Greg has some reservations about going to ATN and he tries to express them and is just wonderfully shot down by Tom Wamsgams where he says, you know, I I don't know about this. It it, it goes against my principles. And Tom says something like, fuck you, principles. The, the, quote, the quote is, Greg, don't be an asshole. You don't have principles. <laughs> it's like kind of against my principles. Your principles? Craig, don't be an asshole. You don't have principles. Dude, ATN is a very toxic element in the culture. Seriously, okay, name me one principle that you have. I don't know, like, I'm against racism. Bullshit, I'm against racism. Everybody's against racism. What else? Like, don't lie. Fuck off. Like, if you're the news. Fuck like, you sh- That's your principle? Yeah, dude. Greg, this is not fucking Charles Dickens' world, okay? You don't go around talking about principles. Actually, this storyline is totally parallel to the other storyline, which we'll also get into, where Kendall comes into Valter, similar to how Tom goes into ATN, totally different situation. But but I have to say that if you freeze frame the scene where Greg and Tom are walking into ATN, in the hallway, you get to see a poster for America Live, which is apparently like the one of the headline <laughs> shows of ATN. And I love these little grace notes, which like literally you need to freeze frame these things to notice. The name of the show is America Live, and it has a slogan. This is the slogan. The news you need, right first, right now. <laughs> <laughs> the the grace notes in this are incredible. When they're in Valter, there's actually a, a fake headline in the back on a screen that reads, is every Taylor Swift song actually sexist? <laughs> <laughs> I would read that. I would read that too. And I bet it's already been written. There were some other good headlines they had flashing on the screen. There was one about Soylent. There was one that was meet the world's largest people trafficker in parens. <laughs> He's a surprisingly nice guy. <laughs> And then there was one about drinking from the toilet. Yes. I couldn't. I was trying to write down that one and I didn't rewind it. It was too good. Um, But it was also in a very vicey font. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and... 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So, okay. Okay, so let's talk about about Volta. Okay. Because, okay, so when we were last here... In episode one, the whole existential crisis facing Waystar Royco is that tech has its hands around your throat. And this was a little bit in season one as well. And the way that Waystar Royco dealt with this in season one was they bought Volta. And now they own Volta. Volta is some kind of and online media Volta company. Volta is a hot, young online media company. And it's the future. 
And like this is <laughs> this is the future of Waste Oroco and Kendall Roy is all one hundred percent all chips in on Volta and then what the hell happens to Volta in episode two? As they're about to unionize, Kendall decides to follow his father's direction and actually his brother's direction as well, and to fire everybody and keep five interns running the entire site after he manned all the IP on the site. But let's just get the elephant out on the table here. I think I screwed up that expression. But (laughs) Walter in in season one clearly seemed like Gawker to me. And now it kind of seems like a company that I used to work for. There are some parallels, which I can I can run through right now. The there was at one point a line which said that Walter specializes in conflict porn and That's has definitely hipster honey on the roof. Okay, hipster honey on the well, yeah. If you're in East Williamsburg, you can have a. What roof. does that even mean? I think they were breeding honey. On oh, the hipster roof? honey, Got yeah, it. yeah, literally honey. Yeah, well, um, Gorka had a roof as well, of course. Back <laughs> in everyone the day. has a roof. If you if you're if you're a, if you're a hot. If you're a hot, young, privately owned media company, you need to have, like, roof parties. We had a yes. roof at Ziff Davis, actually, yeah. when I worked there. So the food and weed verticals were the only ones. <laughs> that was great. Yes. The only two bits of Volta that make money are the food and weed verticals. But, I mean, the backstory to Volta, just the whole arc of Kendall just being this, like, broken person who Volta was his baby. And it was clear in season one that this was, like, a fool's deal, right? I mean, yes. Lawrence, the founder, was treated him like right. shit the and whole time. And no clearly like all. one of the few actually intelligent people in the in the entire yeah, right. he show. He totally has his number. Except, Except and I found fucked. myself rooting for Kendall here. Like yes. when because he finally, finally fires all those people, I was like, and... yes, you fire those people. You right. do something, Kendall. And then I was like, what am I saying? Like they were about to unionize. <laughs> These are journalists. Right. He's giving them a week severance. But if you, what do you say if you publish your little videos? Right. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're all fired. So if you can leave your laptops where they are and hand in your passes, security will be coming around now. Been through everything you've shown me. Food and weed. Those are the only two verticals driving revenue, so we're folding them in. And uh, yeah, you're all free to leave. This is a joke. You have 15 minutes to gather your belongings and exit the building. Separation agreements will be handed around shortly. One week of severance per year served. With full non-disclosure, post your little videos, you get three days. It turns out Walter had already pivoted to video. <laughs> Not unlike... Oh, okay, can we, can we just like run through some of the great Walter quotes, like including the one where Roman, desperate to try and do something, phones up Jerry, the <laughs> chief of staff, and says, like, you've got to give me an idea. And Jerry's like, excuse me, I'm in the middle of a proxy war. Can you just like deal with your stupid <laughs> uh-huh. website and yourself? And he's like, no, no, can you come here and help? And she's he like, says, no, I can can't. can you come over? Can you come over? <laughs> like he's sick. And he's, and he's like, she's like, just do something. He's like, what? And she, he's like, I do have one idea. Can, I, can we pivot to video? <laughs> I think she that. said, I can give you 52 seconds. Yeah. Which, which is, is a great way to pick up the phone. But in any case... It's Roman who actually first comes up with the idea of shutting the whole place down. Mm -hmm. And that actually does end up happening. They do end up shutting the whole place down. And that was my other great favorite line was when, like, he suddenly has this very short, not very dark, like, mild afternoon of the soul, which lasts for about five seconds when he's like, oh, my God, I'm shutting this whole place down. Am (laughs) Am I doing this right? And his girlfriend, who he never sleeps with, Tiffany, goes up to him and goes, you did a thing. Mazel, Mazel tov. Tov. I th- <laughs> My favorite line from that is, I think 
maybe you just did your job, which, <laughs> which is such a perfect metaphor for this group, right? Because they are the executive class who right. are doing things using market logic to back up stuff that serves their own interests for very little gain, since they're all very rich, by the way. <laughs> In case you hadn't noticed. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was funny. The, the Someone who actually did a thing became the entire plot point of, of the episode, which is just that satire at its best. And literally, like, at the outset of the episode, Logan says to the two kids, like, whoever figures this out gets a cookie. Yeah. And really, like, <laughs> that's what it was about for them. It was yeah. like, they really wanted that cookie. They were like, damn, I'm getting the cookie. Like, it pitted the brothers against and each that was other. And that was the whole, like, mini arc of the episode was that <laughs> Roman wins the cookie by being aggressive and saying, <laughs> let's shut it down. But then suddenly Kendall steals the cookie out of Roman's hands by actually shutting it down. And he yeah. literally then gets to be in his dad's office at the end. And it, it seems to he me gets that to whole wear thing, the like, big trousers. come sit in my office is just like what you do when you bring your kids to work when they're very little. And you're like, sit by my side and play with the paper clips. <laughs> and like at the end, Kendall just sits at a table in Logan's office. He just puts his hands on the table. He's got nothing to do, and he's just sitting there like a good little boy. It was very creepy. Can I just say, and look, we should feel no sympathy for these people. I don't think that the show necessarily <laughs> wants us to feel sorry for them. But mm. the actor who plays Kendall's eyes in episodes one and two are just fucking heartbreaking. I'm sorry. I'm not sure we can swear on this. We can swear. Oh, um, go for it. They, this, it, this is it a is succession so recap sad. show. You can't do a succession <laughs> recap show without being able to swear. Florid swearing. Well, it Roman is... says to him, like, you can't even hug your kids. And, yeah. And, and I guess, and then at one point, Greg hugs him. This is now two episodes in a row where Greg hugs him for various reasons. <laughs> and he just stands there with his arms at his side, like, what, yeah, is, he's, he's incapable what is this of called? What is this human touch? Contact. Even he's happening? acting the hell out of that role. And There's, I just, like, I don't like him. But it, I just look into his eyes and I'm crushed every time. There is a line in this show where Roman goes up to Kendall and says, quote, look at you, broken robot. <laughs> and it's so good. The great. So can we mention like Roman, who this is the Veep DNA of, yes. of the show more than anything else, is that. The weird thing about Veep is that even if you're a complete moron, you get to come up with the best fucking lines. That It doesn't matter how stupid you are, you can still come up with amazing lines. I believe there's actually a line, yeah, where um, Shiv talks to her dad and describes Roman as a toddler with a hard-on, <laughs> which is the perfect description of Roman. But here we have a toddler with a hard-on, and he describes himself and his brother as <gasps> yes. Beavis and Crackhead, <laughs> which is perfect. so perfect. And then later on at the dinner party, he describes Shiv and Tom as Firecrotch and Normcore. <laughs> yes. Hello, I'm Immy Harper. On the slow newscast from Tortoise, I tell the story of how a Hong Kong billionaire was silenced. I got bombs thrown into my house. I got people came here, ransacked my computer. And I, I got people fractured me. I got this and that, but I'm safe. And what it reveals about the freedoms Hong Kong no longer enjoys. Listen to Hong Kong's Rebel Billionaire on the slow newscast, wherever you get your podcasts. We should talk about a little bit more about Shiv and Tom, don't you think? Because that's the other storyline. Yes. So there's the Kendall yeah. shutting down Walter slash <laughs> Vice. And then there's Siobhan kind of like trying to decide between 
Eric Bogosian's character, which I forget his name. Gil. 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 And, you know, her dad and also negotiating her relationship with Tom and ultimately having to sort of like break the news to him that she is like a big deal and he's kind of like a nothing person. So there's all these great scenes between them that sort of like cut up the episode. But I think at the end, and I'm curious what you guys think, it seems like Kendall has somehow gotten the role that Shiv was supposed to get. I don't think so. Well, do we think that... Logan is setting Shiv up to just be sold a bill of goods about running the company because he got her to agree to his terms, mm-hmm. which is a term of indeter- of like she undetermined training. She didn't and really agree to that. She mostly did. I mean, she quit her job working with Gil. That was a big risk for her. And, and by the way, can we just like talk a little bit about the way that she quit her job yeah, working what was for that? I, I think, I think that Why was, burn that bridge like that? That was such a great scene because in watching these two episodes back to back, basically every bit of dialogue in this entire show is a negotiation between two people about something with really small stakes. <laughs> and, and, and that was exactly it. It was a negotiation, an argument over whether or not she's quitting or she's being fired. And I, I, I still don't know the answer to that. And it doesn't really matter, but it was really, really fun to watch. I don't understand. You're riding me over a deal you told me to take. You took it pretty quick, though, didn't you? Rolled over really fucking fast. And now you're taking reach-arounds and flights on a 787? Where is this coming from, Siobhan? I'm sorry. I think maybe we should just reassess. Perhaps I Dick Morris things operate from the background. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. No, you know what I think? I think you're right. I think we need to reassess more comprehensively. I think Nate is right that your connections to Tom, ATN, are a distraction. Oh, yeah? Well, you know what? Actually, I'm out. Actually, I just fired you, Shiv, if you'd even noticed. Well, I already fucking quit if you had any antenna. But she clearly, like, picked a fight with Gil with mm-hmm. the intention of either being fired or yeah. just, like, having an excuse yeah. to quit. And why would she do that? Why couldn't she find a slightly more elegant way to extricate herself from that Gil situation? I, I really, I need you guys to tell me because I don't understand. I've never quit a job like that. I'm always <laughs> like, I really would stay, but this, like, really, But you're I not have a to- billionaire. I mean, clearly I have some things I need to work on. Like, <laughs> I have to pick a fight and get fired. I don't understand. Like, maybe it, it was something, like, unconscious. Like, she had to she had to burn the bridge or something. I, I don't I, understand. I think, I think all of this show is about small, small stakes negotiation. I think it's about how she couldn't tell Gil that she had something else that she wanted to do. So she needed to get fired because otherwise she would need to tell him that she was going to go work for her dad. And she doesn't want to admit to anyone that she's going to go work for her dad, even though she actually does want her dad's job. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, it's like a good storyline if she does go to that company and like ATN is so super rapidly conservative and they have their core values, which leads me to another great Roman line, which I'll save for later. (laughs) Um, It's sort of like a good story if she like has a falling out with like the socialist Gill guy, right? And goes running back to the whatever they are, right wing nut factory. So, okay. So Shiv. (laughs) Can we talk about what's going on with Tom? Oh oh my God. Yeah. Every single episode of the Succession Recap 
It's going to be like, what the fuck is going on with Tom? Wams Gams update. Wams Gams. Can I, my favorite line, and I, I don't mean to throw out a great line too early, but when he's talking about getting a giant portrait in their living room, oh my God. Oh, yes. Shiv, and he says, is that too Asadi? <laughs> And she's like, mm-hmm, just ignoring him, basically. I like how throughout the episode, he keeps trying to talk about their marriage arrangement, yeah. and she could not care, care less. less. Like, right. she is, whatever. She threw that out there. She has forgotten about it. Doesn't matter. And he's just sideline, 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 leading up to that great dinner party yes. at Roman's house, where they all start trashing Tom Wamsgans. It was unbelievable. So, so these, this is the board meeting, right? Like every time the family gets together like that, they're making big corporate decisions, which is why- No, I, we're talking about the dinner party. No, no dinner, I know. I, what, that a, I, what I'm yeah. calling, what I'm saying is every giant family meeting is in effect a board meeting. Even you know, a, this is like a, a fa- dinner party. Yeah. 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 Anytime if, they're all together, this is a family drama being welded onto a corporate drama. Yeah. This is a family that doesn't operate they operate like a company. There's no yeah. love. There's no affection. The primary motivator is dad's favor and mm-hmm. money, basically. And I think dad's favor almost comes out on top of money, actually. I think that that works for me every time. Yeah. Like I think they, you're right. they're they're together maybe three times for the first two seasons up to this point. And each time it's to make some giant decision. So what role did the dinner party so how where they yeah, trash Tom Wong's so, okay, so, so first of all, can I like, can we mention another great Roman line when he invites Shiv for dinner I know and she's like, say. you're going to invite me to dinner. He goes like, yeah, Metro poser bullshit. Ooh, race relations. <laughs> Kale. <laughs> It's like, and I'm like, oh, I might have talked about Kale. <laughs> like, it's so good. It's so good. And then they get into that fight about yeah. Tom's suits, which is so You perfect. look like a divorce attorney from the, from twin, the twin Cities. cities. The, the agricultural walk thing, too. I mean, like, we should not laugh at that, by the way. No. Like, that, it's fucking hilarious, but we should not laugh at that. An agricultural walk. I mean, it's. I mean, why do they all, I mean, I guess because the Roman and Shiv, you know, they talk out on the balcony and they have Japanese whiskey, which I'm sure Felix could fill us in on the merits of Japanese whiskey. (laughs) Japanese whiskey is awesome. Big fan of Japanese whiskey. So they have it on the balcony and it's like they're kind of forming some kind of weird alliance. But at the end of it, uh, Roman says to her, should I be worried about Tom? And then in the next scene, he just like, yeah, and she's like, ridiculous. But then in the next scene, they kind of like dig into him when it's clear that, yeah, he's a little worried about Tom. But one of the things that, runs through this whole show is the very clear power structure that Logan is on top and then Logan's three kids are underneath and everyone who's on top just shits down on everyone underneath him so Logan will shit on his kids and then his kids will shit on like their partners so anyone who's like married to or partnered up with one of the kids is clearly a level below the kids um and then the partners like Tom will shit on Greg you know it's just that everyone will find someone below them to shit on yeah and the way you demonstrate what little bit of power you have is by shitting on someone below you and it happens at every single level and the only question which i have which i desperately want to get the resolution to in this season is like where does marsha sit oh yeah that was the the thing when shiv is having she does a pop in yep. and she's talking to logan about how they're going to work out how she's going to become ceo ha 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 and then Marsha walks in and, like, 
conversation kind of stops. And it's clear that she like she's not just there because she's delighted to see her daughter-in-law. Like she's there because she knows something's up and she wants to like worm her way into the conversation. They're clearly telegraphing something here. I mean, the obvious parallels in season one is Wendy Dang, right? Who proved to be maybe a spy? Oh, interesting. Well, Um, she was was definitely investigated by the, you know, people vetting Jared Kushner, which by the way, talking of Jared Kushner, um, (laughs) Tom's line in... The office of Roger Ailes. What's her name again? Sid Peach. Sid Peach. Tom's line in Sid Peach's office was like, well, how many has been like the owner's son-in-law? She is, kind of rolls her eyes. Is I mean, number one, she has the perfect response, which is like, yeah, whatever. But number two is a clear indication that succession is pushing the Trump narrative alongside the Murdoch narrative. Yes, Though I I can't help but think that the logic of the business world is constantly used by characters in this show to serve their own means, and I I just think that's fine. That's really funny. Maybe it hits a little too close to home. But does not. Is, but is he, that do you think that's Tom not goes realistic? go find me some fat? <laughs> go find me some fat to cut. What does he say about janitors? Find me the Skulls. slowest walking janitor. <laughs> <laughs> Lowest walking down is a great line. Such a great line. But he's like, in terms of skulls, how many skulls? <laughs> he's like, you know, when he, he all he wants to do is and fire Greg people. has to like do that mind shift where he's like, oh, it's bad to lay people off, and then he realizes, no, I guess right. it's good now. So and Kendall, <laughs> Kendall wins the cookie by like firing four hundred people in one go and as, ruthlessly as, doing it. As yeah. someone who felt a great fealty to Walter. Do we think this show is actually burning through too much plot? Because I found all of the Walter <laughs> scenes quite satisfying, and they came to a pretty quick conclusion about the state of Walter's finances. But this is what Succession does: is it like when you think something is going to last all season, it like it, it ties up in one episode. And you're like, now what's going to happen for the rest <laughs> so, of the season? So, where in the extended um, Logan Roy Industries universe are we going? Are we going to amusement park IP? <laughs> where are we going? So, okay, so I. I need to ask Ryan McCarthy about Volta because there's a lot going on there. For all that there are obvious and multitudinous parallels to Vice, the other big parallel that you could see if you wanted to was to Gothamist, which like the minute they tried to unionize, they all got fired yeah. by Joe Ricketts, the evil billionaire. I forgot about that. And as you say, like there were Gorka parallels and other things. But one of the things that happens towards the beginning of the episode is that Kendall and Roman arrive at the Volta offices and Roman is walking down the stairs and he goes, oh, look, the pretend journalists are pretend working, <laughs> which is a great line. And then <laughs> when he tries to persuade his dad to shut down the company, his sales pitch is basically, is there anywhere else in this company with fat? Like, these guys get away with shit that no one else in this company gets away with. Like, Sid Peach is, like, really proud of running a tight ship. Mm-hmm. And like, and he's like, this is, this is the fat in the company. And that was the one question which I had in terms of, like, is this realistic? Because I have worked in and seen, like, big legacy TV companies, and I have worked in and seen, like, digital media companies. And if you ask me where the fat was, it would not be in the digital media companies. And I I think this is just another case of people using the terminology, the synergy words of the lexicon to serve their interests. It doesn't really make any sense. You don't have enough facts to know if they're actually on the level. I mean, the thing we do know about Valter 
not Vice, is uh, they pivoted to video. They got screwed by Facebook's algorithm and they were messing with their traffic stats. I, I, as much as I feel fealty to the Valter storyline, like it's not an irrational decision for them to write that thing down and sell the entire thing off. Also, I think there was um, Roman said at some point to his father, I think Kendall calls Valter a body pit and Roman says, no, no. It's not a body pit. It's a fucking muesli pit. (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't fit with our, and he sort of like pauses and he's like, you know, core value. And I feel like, so that's part of it too. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not ATN and Valter don't belong under the same umbrella. Maybe wasn't News Corp the investor in Vice? Like they didn't either belong together. This is a very good point, but but it's also from what I can tell of the Logan Roy expanded universe, (laughs) it's a holding company, right? Mm. They have children's amusement parks. How does Mm. that fit with their news network? But also what this says to me, like just given which one's older and which one's younger and the, the power dynamics, I always assumed that Kendall was Lucklin and Roman was James. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's the other way around. Yeah. Now I think that like Lucklin, who's the genuine conservative, is Roman. Mm-hmm. And that it's, you know, James, who's like the guy who used to run a punk rock <laughs> record label, who's Kendall. Mm-hmm. Well, what do we think? And and maybe this is stretching for a theme that is is not the intention of the creators of this show. What do we think they're saying about media by shutting down Valter in this in the storyline? Tech is coming for them. They're hunkering down. They're not going to sell the company, and they're divesting themselves of assets that appeal, presumably, to a younger generation. Do you think they're saying anything about the state of? It media? really doesn't. It seems like shutting down Walter was more a vehicle for showing who Kendall Roy is, I think, than projecting a vision of what media is. I mean, this isn't like a David Simon, like, you know, excoriation the state of media. Then I think that is what they're saying about media, is that it's run by people serving their self-interest, not serving some broad directional view about where things are headed. Like, don't be an asshole. There are no principles. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, 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 you know, as as a former employee of Univision, you know, <laughs> which which spun up its own version of Volta called Fusion and then spun it down again just as quickly and sold it off. We've all been Volta. To, um, let's, let's be honest. What's it called? Jim Spamfeller. Jim Spamfeller. And, and Geo Media. Like, yeah, these things are always decided like eight levels above you by people who have no idea what you're doing. And really no conception of what media or publishing or journalism is. That was obviously quite clear. I think we just came up with a theme about what they're saying about media. <laughs> which, is, which is that you have people who may or may not actually know what they're doing like in the trenches, but ultimately all of the decisions are made by people who are so many hundreds of thousands of feet above that it doesn't matter. And they all have nice apartments. Can, can I just uh, say, can we talk about how Greg. good how good this show looks? Like, it's a funny show. Yeah. It's a really sharp show. It's very satirical. It looks amazing. It's so well shot. I know this is not a slate money topic, but this it's is a, totally it, a is, money topic. it is actually a luscious looking show. But I think... It's not like wealth. I feel like I said this last episode, so we can cut it if I did. But no, it's no, not we like, should say it as many times as It's not like wealth porn. Like if you've ever watched Billions, right. it's very like sexy, rich people stuff. I feel like this 
I don't actually envy any of this stuff. I don't want any of to live with these people. I don't want to drink. I don't want to have soup out of the gold bowls. And <laughs> right, right. When, when they're all hanging room. out in like I don't want to eat sliders at hotel, Connor's hotel. Right, where no. like who was it goes up to Connor and says, "Oh, I like what you haven't done with the place." <laughs> and like you look around and it's just a completely bland hotel, which no actual human being yeah. would ever right, want right. to live in. Like this is the emptiness of luxury you yes. know this isn't the there's nothing like it aspirational is so convincing about it. though as someone who doesn't spend a lot of time in those circles i am 100 percent convinced by right. the look of that hotel and by the look of in episode one of him in that spa in utah in where iceland. was it? Oh, iceland iceland felix knew <laughs> of course, of course. But like that's why Greg's character is so great cuz like, you know, you see him looking yeah. for a classic, looking for an apartment in New York City right. and like his body doesn't fit on the bed <laughs> and he's like I just need storage space for me. For me. <laughs> and it's like maybe and then he, you know, he gets to have the big apartment and like he's running around so excited right. and it's like he is the one person on the show that actually appreciates what money can buy and none of the other people, though they're so money hungry and power hungry, they don't actually care it's empty like uh, just one other thing none of them seem to enjoy their wealth yes that's what it's yes. so tragic tom so tom enjoys tom the wealth oh right yeah remember he, when he ate that there was that the, the land. Sp- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just let tom enjoy his wealth please Tom enjoys the wealth. And I mean, for all that, like, Tom is the butt of every joke and he's a complete moron, like, at least he understands that if you're going to marry into a billionaire family. But that's the other thing. Like, even Tom isn't satisfied with being obnoxiously, dynastically rich. He wants to be, like, CEO. Oh, he's so upset when Shiv tells him. That's not our plan. And, Speaking and of oh my God, the quote, the quote, can I, say, of the plan. can I say the quote, which is just like the most, it's like, I thought that it was something that we wanted for me. And you're like, Tom. Holy shit. I mean, this is huge. So, I mean, do you. Want it? No. And I don't even trust him. So because I, I thought that it was something that we wanted for me. We do. To have it. We do. Uh, that was, I mean, that was just the plan. That's st- still the plan. Me is just a modification of the plan. No, sure. That's qu- quite a big modification. I mean, are Tom and Shiv going to make it through this season? Yes or no? Oh, definitely. You think? What earthly reason does Shiv have for, like, kicking him to the curb? But do you think he'll, like, the, at that dinner party when they were trashing him, he finally says to her, like, fuck off. Like, I- is that like a harbinger of more fuck offs to come? I think Tom is too good an actor to be kicked off the show or to be. <laughs> I'm not sidelined. saying kicked off. I'm yeah. just saying break up. Yeah, I, I don't know. It seems like that the core of this show will always have them at odds. I don't know whether that means they're together or not. I don't really know. Okay, so where do we Famous think the show lines. is going? Oh, uh, where do we think the show is going? Like. I, I don't want to... You don't want to guess. But I mean, I think... You don't I want think, to precap? I think on some level, <laughs> what it wants us to think right now is that it's a fight between Kendall and Shiv to take over the company. And that Kendall, like, having been the black sheep and on the verge of crashing out entirely is kind of almost possibly conceivably cleaning up his act to a degree that Logan might let him take over but he's stealing batteries when no one yeah, okay can oh we God. talk about we that? Yes. about that we should end on that because that was like one of the last things so that okay so like you know I remember when I was a kid I stole batteries this book <laughs> called Brighton Rock by Graham Greene which had this sort of anti-hero called Pinky who 
one of the things that Pinky did in the book, which kind of demonstrated how heartless he was, is he would just take a like a daddy long legs and like hold it in his hand and pick off each of the legs one by one just because he's thoughtlessly cruel. And so there's the scene at the end of this episode where Kendall just in a just utter thoughtless cruelty just decides to steal a pack of batteries from the bodega owner and throw them in the trash just because it's like a tiny little mini power move that gives him, you know, a millionth of a bump of coke kind of, you know, <laughs> high. Or, or is there something more to it? I think it's his little act of rebellion. Against what? Against his sad puppet life because now he just has to do whatever his dad says he can't even ride a motorcycle anymore oh yeah that when he's riding around on the back of the motorcycle which like give it up just be driven around in a car like i don't i don't really understand that so i'm 100 fully here for this show this is not a criticism i love the first two episodes i love everything about this show i'm a little worried they're burning through too much plot because kendall went from like ambivalent about his dad to firing people for his dad to well, following was, his dad's lead and stealing batteries from a uh, poor bodega owner well, that was for no Schiff's reason. Line, right on the that, on the balcony where yeah. she turns to him and she's like you really have a difficulty like finding the middle between like <laughs> mm-hmm. hating him and worshiping yes. him i can't remember what the actual line was but and, it was... and we can't watch gyrations of this every other episode there has to be some other slow building move here and that's why I, i'm so I, interested about where so the show think, is going i think i mean i don't know where the show is going but I want to say that Marsha is going to be involved. <laughs> because Marsha is the one character who's like, who we need to know more She's about. She's a mystery. So, okay. So um, stay, stay tuned. What's your favorite line uh, of episode two? I feel like we did a lot of them. Oh, <laughs> at one point, Logan and company are watching, who I think is Pierce Morgan on TV. Oh, my God. Interviewing Stewie. And that's when Stewie, like, trashes Walter. Oh, no, that's not Pierce Morgan. I don't know who it is. It was someone named Pierce. I don't know. And then he says, self-righteous fucking butter wouldn't melt Pulitzer pricks. And I just (laughs) thought that was pretty good. Ryan, do you have a favorite line? I've already used all mine. So so I'm going to give you three. It smells wrong and they're hiding shit. Roman. Yeah. I can give you 52 seconds. That's is, a good. That's a good line. Which is really by good, Jerry. Yeah. And the other one is your ads are all adult diapers and shit pills. ATN. <laughs> I think. I think my favorite line actually comes from Gil, where Gil. where they're talking about the private jet. And he goes, "You don't look a gift Boeing in the teeth." <laughs> so Gil sold out, right? Oh, Gil totally sold out. First of all, like you know, he he rolled Made over for, for mm-hmm. Logan and did the whole deal with the devil with Logan, and now he's accepting private jets from like random people too. You don't look a gift Boeing in the teeth. It's a good line. Can I add one more? You can add one more. When Shiv suggests that they go for a salty reframe, yes, that I was dying about that. <laughs> Your basic just bitch. dying. Did yeah. you did you ever? We've have all been guilty of a, a salty certain... reframe. <laughs> Did you ever do that when you were the editor-in-chief of Vice? Did you ever go, we need a salty reframe? <laughs> yes. It's, <laughs> it's the TikTok and the reconstruct of uh, modern web journalism. <laughs> okay, so we are all going to watch season three. We are going to find out what happens next. And I can't This show is so good. Three. This show is so good. That's all. Thank you for Tune listening Tune in next week.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.